Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So, we sang a lot of songs this morning that were about hope. Our living hope. That God is, is our hope in hopeless situations. And so as we are continuing our study this morning on the, the first two chapters of Ephesians, we come back to this question of who am I? I have been given there are a lot of key terms that come up in scriptures where we're looking through the Bible. There's, there's terms like faith and terms like hope and love and joy and grace and peace, understanding. All of these different terms that we come across, sometimes we, we read them. We know how to say them but maybe sometimes we don't have a clear understanding of what they mean. Sometimes hope can kind of have this vague definition. And so the the first thing that we have to do this morning is we have to define hope. What is hope? Is it that wishy-washy, maybe kind of unsure optimism of, gosh, I hope, this thing comes about in my life, but I have no idea if it's going to. Man, I sure hope I I get this job that that I'm expecting. I I sure hope that this thing comes about in my life. And this is kind of where the modern idea of hope is right now. It's it's this up in the air idea of, man, it, it may happen. It sure would be nice if it happened but it's anybody's guess if it's going to. The idea is is that it's to desire very much, but with no real assurance of getting what it is that you desire. (laughs) In scripture, if we look at at the Hebrew and the Greek words that are, are translated from hope, Hope, it can be an indication of certainty, which is completely counter to the way we use hope today. Hope in scripture means a strong, confident expectation. When we look at hope in scripture, hope can mean trust. It can mean confidence in the expectations that I have. Hope can refer to the activity of hoping (laughs) or to the object of what I'm hoping for. Hope stresses two very specific things. Hope stresses futurity, which means it's something that hasn't happened yet. And it stresses invisibility because it's it's something that we can't see. Because if we could see it, you wouldn't have to hope. 
If it had already happened, you wouldn't have to hope. And so hope requires by its very nature that, that what you are hoping for is, is not happened yet or that it is invisible, that you are not able to see it come about. And because of those things, because of who we are as a people, when we don't see something, when it hasn't happened yet, we immediately put ourselves into that situation of, gosh, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But the question is, what does that say about who God is? If that is our definition of hope of, man, someday this may actually take place, but I don't know. What does that say about who God is? We should, A, only be hoping for the things that God has desired in our life. But B, we should rest with assurance that God will do what he says he's going to do. Romans 8, 24 through 25 says, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Hope is something that we need to describe if we're going to understand it. We can define it, but we need to describe hope. Hope is, is active. In the hope, excuse me, in the Bible, hope is never a static or passive thing where it's just, just something laying in the background. Everywhere you look in the Bible, if you open your concordance and you look at the word hope, you will find time after time after time references that are pointing out the active nature of hope where people are, are taking steps in the hope that they have. They're being called to action because of the hope that they have. flip side of that is that hope is not an escape from reality. Because hope calls us to action, it doesn't mean that we get to just go sit on the couch and daydream until that wonderful thing comes about. No, we are called to participate. We're not supposed to be idle or, or drifting or just sitting there rocking on your front porch, as nice as that may be. You are called to get in the game. If our hope is biblical and it is based on the promises of God, it will put me in action. Hope has results. It changes how we see who we are. It changes us into persons who are seeking after the promises of God, knowing that they are true. 2 Peter 1.13 says, And I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of a reminder. In 1 Peter 2.11 it says, Beloved, I urge you all as aliens and strangers to obtain, abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. We're supposed to seek after what God desires in our lives. Hope has results. It changes 
what we value. Like I said, if we are pursuing the things that God has put in our life, then it, it changes it so that our hope is now based on things that, that have heavenly, eternal value. We become kind of that churchy term, being heavenly-minded. We are focused on an eternity with Christ. In Matthew, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your hope is, there your heart will be also. Because am I putting all my hope in the, the earthly things that exist in this world? Am I putting all of my hope and trust in the government of the United States of America? Am I putting all of my hope and trust in medical science today? Am I putting all of my hope and trust in the stock market? Am I putting all of my hope and trust in the almighty dollar? Am I putting all of my hope and trust in any of those things? Because if I am, they will fail me. But if I choose to trust in Jesus Christ, if I choose to place my hope on the cross, in the blood of Jesus Christ that made a way for me to be with him for all of eternity, my hope is assured. Hope has results. It affects what we do with our lives. It affects my, how I spend my time. It affects how I use my resources. It affects the, the way I use my talents. If I truly have a hope for life eternal with Jesus Christ, then shouldn't my, my use of my talents that he has given me reflect that hope? In Titus 2, 1 through 13, it says, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith and love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. They may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may be not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, not having anything bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not, not pilfering, not, but showing all good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. 
instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes that's not a popular verse. Sometimes that part of Scripture gets so lost in the cultural hang-ups that can come from it that we just, because we don't want to, to have some type of uncomfortable interaction, we instead just forget the whole thing. But the fact of the matter is this, this tells us very clearly how we are to use our time, how we are to live as people with hope. There are, are cultural references in here in terms of the role of a woman in the home, in terms of the role of a man in the home that are different than what they were today, and that's okay. There are things that change, but there are some things that don't change, and the things that don't change are, are what we put our hope in. The Christian life if it is grasped according to what God's word says it is and not what the, the latest popular TV network says it is, the Christian life, if grasped according to God's truth, is an obsession with eternal hope. It is an obsession with the hope that Jesus Christ gives Do you live a life, do I live a life that reflects an obsession with the hope of Jesus Christ? Sometimes I don't know that I do. I don't know that every action that, that I take, every word that I say reflects that hope that I have. That's something that, that I can grow in. That's something that I can mature in. when we have hope, it gives us a power to live courageously. When I have hope, it allows me to set aside the concern of what is this person going to think of me? What is this going to do to my future prospects? What is this going to do to my popularity? And instead I can focus on what is this impact for all of eternity? When I, when I take the steps of faith that I've been called to take as I live out my life obsessed with hope in Jesus Christ, I begin to recognize that these other things that are so concerning today are only concerning for today. So then why are we so quick to focus on the today? Why am I so quick to give up the focus of eternal glory with Jesus Christ and to instead focus on the thing that is right here in front of me? Maybe because it's hard to believe in something we can't see. 
It's hard to believe in things that, that are in the future. It's hard to believe in a, a heavenly reality. It is. It takes faith. And faith is different than hope. We need both of those things. It's the, the person that believes in heavenly hope, who is fixed on it, who is focused on it, who is obsessed in it. That is, because of that obsession, they are able to have such a light grasp on everything else that is happening in this world, according to Peter. That they're able to put the first thing first. Is our hope an in case of emergency break glass type of situation? I read this illustration the other day of, of having your, your hope in Jesus Christ behind this pane of glass and, and only when you most desperately need it do you break that glass and, and gain access to it. But that's not how we're supposed to live. It's not, we're, we're supposed to carry that with us every moment of the day. It's not supposed to be tucked away just for emergencies and every other time I just kind of make it as best I can. Hope has rewards and blessings. It gives joy and peace. In Romans 15, 13, it says, now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 5, 2, it says, Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Hope gives protection. In Psalms 33, 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope for his loving kindness. And, and isn't it encouraging when we use the biblical translation of hope that we talked about today as opposed to the, gosh, I, I sure hope it's out there. I sure hope God has loving kindness towards me today. No, it's, it's more than that. I know that I know that I know that God's loving kindness is present in my life that his mercies are new every morning. Hope gives strength and courage and boldness. In Psalms 31, 24, it says, be strong. Let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord, all you who trust in the Lord, all you who know that the Lord will do what he says he's going to do that your God will give you hope in hopeless situations. Hope gives endurance. It brings comfort and confidence in the face of death. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep or dead, that you may not grieve as do the rest of us who have no hope. It gives confidence in the work that we do 
for the Lord. In 1 Timothy 4.10, it says, For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. What is the origin of hope? Where and, and how do we get hope? There are a number of warnings in Scripture against putting our hope in something that is anything other than Jesus Christ. Because these things will leave us frustrated. These things will leave us ashamed. These things will leave us broken. These things will not give us hope. In Job 8, 11 through 15, it says, Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the rushes grow without water? While it's still green and not cut down, yet it withers before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of all the godless will perish. Whose confidence is fragile and whose trusts, who trusts a spider's web? He trusts in his house, but it does not stand. He holds fast to it, but it does not endure. Are we putting our trust in something that is going to crumble the very first moment that we, we get our, our hands on, the very first moment that it's tested? In my other world, where I'm the, the director in an IT company, one of the, the most important aspects of our job, our relationship with our clients, is uh, we manage their backup and disaster recovery plans. And for a company that depends on technology, they have all of the servers, all of the computers, all of their important information lives in this device. And if that device fails, how does their business continue to function? It continues to function because they have a backup and disaster recovery solution that's in place. And that backup and disaster recovery solution has to be something that they can put their hope in. It has to be something that they know is going to work. Sometimes when I come into a client that, that I haven't worked with before and I'm sitting down with them and I'm talking with them about what their backup and disaster recovery solution is, it's, well, sometimes Mary Lou, the front desk lady, goes back into the server room. Well, does she know how to work a server? No. And she goes into the server room and she gets the drive out and she puts it in her purse and she takes it home with her. And that's, that's how we make sure that our business functions. So what happens if Mary Lou forgets? What happens if Mary Lou's sick for a day? What happens if Mary Lou just doesn't work here anymore? Who else is going to take that on? Does anybody else know how to do that? Have you ever tested that backup to make sure that it works? No, we haven't. And then I go and I look at it, and they've been backing up nothing their entire time. There's nothing on the drive that would restore. So if they ever came to need that data, and I've had clients that have done this, that have needed this information, it's not there. Where are you placing your hope? Is it in something that as soon as you touch it, it crumbles? Or are you putting your hope in Jesus Christ? In Psalm 33, 17, it says, A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Deliverance has to come from the Lord. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God. 
Proverbs 10.28 says, The hope of the righteous is gladness, but the expectations of the wicked perishes. God is called the, the God of hope. This means that he is the source of hope. And any hope that we have comes from him. He is the source of real hope. And if we are going to have hope, that confident expectation, it has to come from him. My soul waits in silence for God alone, for my hope is from him. Psalm 62, five, my soul waits in silence for God alone, for my hope is from him. What if that was just our declaration for the week? What if we didn't focus on anything else that I said today? What a waste of time. What, what if we just looked at that one sentence and said, this is what I'm taking home? That I will wait until God tells me to move. I will stand here in silence until God tells me to speak. I will wait until God gives direction for my hope is from him. If that is the only thing that you take from today, that will be enough. If we are without Christ, we are without hope. Ephesians 2.12, it says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in this world. But it's not like that anymore because of the communion table that we are coming to celebrate this morning. We have a way. Christ has made a way. Hope depends on knowing the word of God. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, it says in Romans. The word of God is here that we might have that hope. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you have previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing out fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard it and understood that the grace of God is in truth. Hope depends on knowing and resting in God's grace. If you don't consider God's grace that has been extended to you, grace, that, that undeserved gift, if you don't consider that, how can you possibly have hope? How can you have hope if you don't consider grace? Hope depends on the spirit-filled life. Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where is your hope? This morning, as I mentioned, we're, we're going to be moving to the communion table in just a moment. And I cannot think of a better word to describe the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and to create hope. Jesus Christ came down. He lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death on the cross even though he knew no sin to make a way for me to be with him for all of eternity to give me hope. In Luke 22:14 through 20 Says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take this and share it among yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. The, the old covenant was first kind of seen when Moses was given instruction and the, the, the people of Israel were preparing to leave Egypt and they were told to, to slaughter a lamb and they were to take the blood of the lamb and they were to put it over the doorpost of their home and the angel of death as it came through would, would pass over them as it, it smote the, the rest of uh, the people of Egypt. And I, I saw a very simple and yet a very profound statement. God never opened the door to see who was inside. There, there was never a, a, are you good enough to be covered by the blood of Jesus? Are you good enough to be passed over by the angel of death? It was, the Lamb of God is enough. The sacrificial lamb is enough. There's a song that I'm going to sing this morning, and, and it starts by saying, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. 
I was lost, I was broken, I was, I was running out of time. Sin separated me from God. But thank you, Jesus, for the blood. As we sing this song this morning, as you, you listen, I invite you to, to participate with us in communion as we remember a sacrifice that was given. A sacrifice that, that paid the debt that we owed. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 